0: Hi friends, happy new year. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. And I'm so glad to be here with you. Hey, the music in the background, we're switching it up again. It's from our buddy, John McLaughlin, and his new album, Angst and Grace. Make sure you have picked that up. And he has an interview uh, in December where we talked about his new album, this one we're getting to listen to, so make sure you go and check that out. I hope you guys enjoyed the Christmas party as much as I did, and now you're back in the swing of things, ready to go with a new year. And today on the show, I wanted to bring a friend of mine on the show that is an expert on leadership, but also, to me, an expert on a lot of things. And in his latest book, Didn't See It Coming, Overcoming the Seven Greatest Challenges That No One Expects and Everyone Experiences, feels like a great way to kick off the year. So I asked my friend Carrie Newhoff to come on and help us start the year thinking a lot about how we handle our time and how we handle ourselves and how we make sure that we protect ourselves men and women from burnout. So here's my conversation with Pastor Carrie Newhoff. Okay, Carrie, thank you for being on the show.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Annie.
0: Happy 2019. Let's kick off the year.
1: Woohoo. I yeah. know.
0: What do you do? Do you have like New Year's um, traditions or things you do at the start of every new year? Like professionally and spiritually?
1: Oh yeah. I i am a goal setter. So that's not necessarily good. I think two years ago I set twenty nine objectives.
0: <gasps> what is like, your Enneagram number, Carrie Newhoff? Uh
1: you know what? I'm an eight. Of so course you're
0: an eight. I knew you were an eight. <laughs> I just
1: try to take control of the year before it takes control that's of right. me. That's right. That's right. All my unhealth oozes out, Annie. That's and, right. Uh, It's basically how I roll. So, no, you know, New Year's Day is kind of fun because it's a quiet day. Uh, So one of my sons, my oldest son, is uh, he'll be 27 now when this airs. But his birthday is December 31st. So it was always like family birthday parties slash New Year's, the whole deal. And now, of course, he's 27. So he doesn't exactly hang out with his parents every New Year's anymore. Um, Married, living in Toronto, the whole deal. Um, so yeah, it's just that was like for 20 years we did yeah, that like yeah. just family celebrations. And uh, my guess is I will have spent last night with my my family, yeah. sisters, parents, that kind of stuff. Uh, but sometimes we do friend stuff. And the New Year's Day, I'll normally have some objectives. I roll out a big post for whatever reason. People, have you noticed this? Like people show up on the internet on yeah, New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah, they so are like ready on for podcasts. It. People actually listen to podcasts on New yes, Year's Day. Yes, that's right. So we'll do that. But other than that, no, pretty. Um, Pretty quiet day. And the older I get, the more I enjoy the quiet. Yeah.
0: Forgive me if this is a ridiculous question, but do Canadians do New Year's different than Americans?
1: Uh, yes. Well, we don't follow the Gregorian calendar here in Canada. No, I'm kidding. Um, we, yeah, you know what? No, we're pretty much a monoculture, I would say. So I don't know that there are any, we don't run around in snowbanks, you know, drinking maple syrup or anything. Right, right, that right. Like
0: that. That's all what I thought though. So I'm disappointed.
1: Well, most people do. Most people say, so you're in a snowbank eating maple syrup. Right, it's like, right, yes, right, That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> no, so there's no, uh, people do outdoor events, which, you know, hey. It's too cold, man. Stay yeah, inside. Yeah, we serious. we are smart enough to create houses that we can heat. That's right. It is unbiblical to be outside when it's that cold. So, so cold.
0: Yeah. Cause I know I'm a huge uh international soccer fan. Oh yeah. And so I know Boxing Day is a big deal and New Year's Day is a big deal. And I think even January second is for soccer. Oh, maybe so I was like, somewhere.
1: Yeah, we're Boxing Day people. So yeah. here's here's something that's different between our cultures. It's only been in the last five years that we've done Black Friday. How long have you guys done it?
0: Oh my gosh, my whole life. I've never not known Black Friday.
1: Exactly. And so we would hear rumors of this Black Friday thing. But (laughs) I think retail is is changing so much. Four or five years ago, a few stores started doing like, hey, we're doing a Black Friday thing. And people in Canada are like, what? And now everything's Black Friday. But our Black Friday was Boxing Day.
0: Okay. That's what I was going to ask.
1: Which I think, you know people who know history, please correct me. But I believe it goes back to England and you would put boxes out that the poor would collect
0: after Christmas.
1: So it would be, you know, some gifts to the poor that you would put out in boxes. And so it became Boxing Day, which somehow, of course, got corrupted by mass retail.
0: Right. Of course. It became
1: a gorge yourself spending frenzy. But that was our Black Friday. So now here's the distinct advantage to being Canadian. We have Black Friday and Boxing Day. How right. Good is that? Okay. Yeah, that
0: works. <laughs> Except I wouldn't want to go shopping on Boxing Day because I want to sit around and watch soccer. That's my life.
1: That's true. Yeah. And but uh, I do like it. I do really like it. starting to it. grow. I mean, the Atlanta, what is it, United? Yeah, Atlanta this year.
0: United. Yeah, they're really and good. And Toronto
1: FC the year before. So yeah, Toronto FC's great. That.
0: There's some great players that play up there for y'all. So I love it. Okay, good. So for New Year's, when you set goals, because I think everybody listening, we've set some sort of goals. I've said before in the podcast, I don't do a lot of New Year's resolutions because I think I quit them all, but I love experiments. And so I'm like, okay, let's do an experiment this year. So what are some things that you're like before? I mean, we're going to talk about your book because that's the reason we wanted you on to start the year. But for you personally, what does it look like? Do you set goals in a bunch? I mean, if you had 20 something the other year. Do you set goals in a bunch of different areas of your life or do you each year, do you focus on something different?
1: I try to look at where I'm at, and I see it as a, a growth year. So it is actually, you know, somewhat related to what I wrote about and didn't see it coming. But I haven't done my 2019 goals yet because we're recording this in advance, right? But my big one, which is really interesting, because I'm 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 good at metrics and I'm way more numbers and progress driven than I ought to be. Uh huh. Um, so my big goal for 2018, number one on my list, was let God determine size. Oh wow. That was the goal. And, you know, that's terrifying for a control freak because right. what if God decides to make it smaller?
0: And an eight who loves to achieve things as well. In a lot exactly. Of areas.
1: Exactly. Yeah. With yeah. a seven wing. Right. So, uh, you know, that was not a lot of fun for me, but yeah. it was like, you are way too driven, Carrie. You p- p- care about this stuff way too much and part of that god is using but some of that is unhealthy. Yeah. Um so that was a big terrifying goal for 2018. Yeah. And interestingly enough almost everything grew. I think really? everything did grow. I say almost just to be truthful, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. everything grew some way more than it should have. Sure. Um which which I think is a spiritual parable in itself right. but um so I don't know what it'll be for 2019. So qualitative and quantitative. Um, you know, but some of them are like a richer prayer life, and right. I'll try to define that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then
1: others are like, you know, have X number of dollars in the bank by Y date. You know, very right. specific, very quantifiable. Right. Or like it was to bike 3,000 kilometers last year. Right. Uh, which I did not hit because I didn't let God determine size. The winter, <laughs> like the fall, just disappeared, and I came up. Two hundred kilometers short.
0: Oh wow! That's it. That's still you did did do a lot. That's a
1: lot. That's a lot. You know what I love? I, because my my audience is mostly American as well. People yeah. are like, how many miles is that? And right, you can, Annie. You can just lie.
0: you can say like,
1: that's like 17,000 miles. And everyone goes, Oh, that's amazing.
0: amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. No,
1: it's actually, what would that be about 1800 kilometers, maybe 17 or 1700 miles, I should say.
0: And what's like a normal biking afternoon or morning when you go, how much do you do in a normal day?
1: Uh, I would usually do about, on average, an hour. No, last year I I upped it a bit, about a 90-minute ride. Okay. So I'll do that three or four times a week during cycling season, which around here is April to normally November, but we Mm -hmm. barely got out of September this year. It got cold fast.
0: Tell me why exercise matters to you with as busy as you are.
1: It is related to mental health and just physical health as well. I've just found I feel better like I do not like exercise. Mm -hmm. I much prefer eating to exercise. I don't know about you. It's just way more fun.
0: It's way easier. Yeah.
1: (laughs) For me, um, I've married to a very healthy woman. She's always been healthy before it was trendy. And so it's pretty convicting. Mm -hmm. And I find (laughs) this is totally selfish. You're calling me out here. Uh, I'm a better leader and a better human being when I do.
0: Yeah. I don't think that's selfish. Why is that selfish?
1: I don't know. Because it's utilitarian, you know, like I'm just—I'm a better human being yeah. when I'm, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and all that fit. So
0: yeah, yeah. I don't think that—that that doesn't read selfish at all to me. I think okay. it, I think you have to do that. Maybe I'm off. You're the expert on being the leader, not me.
1: I'd like to be altruistic and say, you know what? I'm just doing it because it's so good for you. But no, it has other benefits.
0: Yeah. When my friends and I make lists of like, here's the stuff I have to get done today especially leaders that I know and people who are leading in any capacity, whether it's in their home or at their job, how you take care of yourself, especially for women, seems to fall way low. Uh, like that's one of the first things to yep. go.
1: But I don't know. I mean, I, I know from what I know of you, like you do yoga and uh-huh. some other things, yep. right? True? Yep. yep. Do you find this, that almost every high, like a leader I admire, if you really get behind the scenes, 98% of them take care of themselves.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think so too. And, and emotional, mental, and physical to me.
1: Correct. Yeah. It's it's not just, I run a marathon, but I'm a disaster. You right, know, it's right, like right, right. The right. whole thing.
0: Man, my my counselor sees so many people who do my job. <laughs> because everybody is like, if I don't have mental health, I have nothing.
1: I know. Yeah. Well, think about it, right? What do you do? I mean, as a writer, as a podcaster, as a leader, as a speaker, you if I bring my brain to work and that's about all I got.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I have no actual skills, right. so, you know. It's <laughs> <is> not
0: true. <laughs> that is not true. But you're right. I mean, that's that's the thing is that if, I mean, I say all the time when I'm, like, exercising, I say to whoever I'm with, like, I just have to stay strong enough that I can lift all the boxes, boxes of books that I take somewhere. And so I can't stop exercising because I have to lift 40-pound boxes once or twice a week.
1: Oh, you know what it is for me? That's so funny that you say that. Yeah, that's right. But it's like uh, we have a water softener. You ever pick up those bags of salt?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Those huge ones. They're killer, ones.
1: man. Yeah. They're like uh, 45 <laughs> pounds each, 50 pounds each. I'm yeah. like, Ugh.
0: And you got right, to do it. All right, I got to keep doing
1: this for decades. Yeah,
0: so. that's right. And that's, I mean, because I just think my mind is probably going to last for a while and my spirit's going to last forever and my body's going to be the one who quits first.
1: I can I can see that happening. And so
0: I the, the thing I can control the most. For me. I mean, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not. Yeah, not yeah. No, you can commentary. speak that over me too. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm with you. And so, the thing that I can control the most, especially when at this time of year where everybody joins a gym and everybody jumps back in, it is way less about what you look like or what you're, you know, what size you're wearing and, and way more about like, are you preparing yourself for the for longevity of life?
1: Yeah. I don't know whether you would agree with this, but I, I think this is how i've rationalized it in my brain i don't think i can impact the quantity of life like i think our years maybe you know they are foreordained like it says in the scriptures sure. uh, but i think i do have a direct cause and effect uh, influence over the quality of my life in other yeah. words are those going to be years where i'm active and alive and mobile so one day if i have grandchildren you know i can play with them or i can i can be active and contributing or am i going to be basically in such bad shape that i i have to bow out early
0: right right and that's that's who i don't want to be i'm not going to say that's my fear but that's who i don't want to be is i don't want to be the person who's like gets taken out of the game because my body gave up before it had to i mean there's sickness and there's injury there's other things but yeah but i'm like no i don't i don't want to get taken out of this
1: it's as as far as it depends on you yeah that's right that's right as far as it depends on me okay i put in some effort in this column and yeah, so I think that's totally New Year's and what I did uh like as we're recording this weeks in advance I tried to get a jump on New Year's. So oh, really? I tried intermittent fasting. You ever done that?
0: <gasps> no, but I've heard it's really healthy and really amazing for you. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I have a new book that's coming out. It's called Intermittent Fattening. It's <laughs> an alternative <laughs> to intermittent It'll fasting. It'll sell. It will sell. I gained weight. I'm yeah. like I'm the biggest loser. I yeah. did it for like 10 days. And every day I was adding a pound to the scale. Yeah, and like I was watching my consumption to make sure I wasn't intaking. So finally, I just quit. And literally, the day I quit, we had an early Christmas dinner uh-huh. a few weeks in advance of Christmas with with uh, a family. Yeah, and I, I lost a pound, and then I lost another pound. So anyway, so <laughs> I was a total failure with that. But yeah. the idea was. To run into the new year ahead of schedule rather than, you know, yeah. gorging out and going, yeah. okay, it's January 1st. Right, now right, I'm right.
0: Here. Now I can do it, but I can't fit into any of my clothes and I feel terrible. And yeah. <laughs> no, I have to do it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I love it. Um, okay, so speaking of that's you know, one of the things I wanted to kick off the year is your book, Didn't See It Coming?, It lists seven challenges. I'm going to actually read the subtitle overcoming the seven greatest challenges that no one expects and everyone experiences. And you had, you wrote this because you literally like almost burned out for real, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I I would call it full out burnout. And that was, uh, what would that be? 13 years ago. Okay. That I hit a wall in my leadership. So I was just over a decade into church leadership. I had just turned the corner on 40. And yeah, Annie, I, I hit a wall. Yeah. And, um, all of a sudden, you know, the, the first decade had been incredible in many respects, lots of growth, new people, um, fastest growing church nationally in our denomination in yeah. Canada. Uh, we became one of the largest churches in our denomination across the country. And so everything was up and to the right, except so on the outside, everything was right. amazing, right? but on the inside I was imploding. Yeah. And, uh, I just, you know, I'm A-type, I'm driven, I'm a type A, I, right. you know, an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm in control, large and in charge. And I just thought the rules didn't apply to me, um, yeah. but they did. You just
0: thought, I mean, I've thought that before too, of like, I, I know other people would stop now, but I can keep going. I'll just make myself exactly. keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What is that that makes you think that can be you? But, but that was me for sure.
0: Yeah. And what did it look like when you really started to burn out? Because I think I, I don't think I came close to burnout, A couple of months ago, but I started having these conversations of like, Hey, this is really hard. And all of a sudden it's really hard. And that's scary.
1: For me, it was a loss of control. So I had been tired for a while. I mean, my kids were young, so every young parent listening can go, yeah, I get it. No sleep. Our church was growing a lot. Like it was the most I'd ever led. And so I had a bad formula that more people equaled more hours and I think what was the most terrifying for me, Annie, is in many ways, I was on top of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just I just spoke in a national conference in the U.S. in front of 2,500 church leaders. Um, it was supposed to be an amazing talk. And I flew home. And when I got off the plane, it's like I fell off a cliff. Really? And that was the most, that's why I'm so determined not to burn out again. yeah. Because, you know, if you're tired, you're like, all right, I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow. I'll feel better. And it's cause and effect, right? Or I can take a week off. I'll feel better. Cause and effect. I'm going to eat properly. I'm going to exercise. Cause and effect. And with burnout, when burnout hit me, cause and effect was out the window. Really? So I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh. My, so my emotions flatlined. Um, I probably would have been diagnosed with depression if oh. I actually had sought a diagnosis, like all the symptoms were there.
0: Right.
1: And so it was, for me, it was terrifying because I said, okay, I'm going to go to bed. I'll get better. Wake up, feel worse. It's like, I'll take oh, wow. I'll take a week off. I took three weeks off. I felt worse at the end than I did at the beginning. And I'm like, this is not cause and effect. Right. And uh, my passion was gone. My mood was flat. It, it was a disaster. And um, but
0: you were able to hide it from work.
1: No. Well, I, I did for about a month because, yeah. you know, you have some muscle memory. Right,
0: right, and right. And you
1: can put, I wasn't. I could get out of bed. Right. So I know some people who are burnt out, that's it. It's like, take me to the hospital. Yeah. But like, I could get out of bed. I could function. But on the inside, I died. Yeah. So for a month, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. Took three weeks off. It was my scheduled summer vacation. I didn't get better. I got worse. I came back. I sat down with our board of directors, with our elders. And I'm like, guys, I have no idea what's wrong. But I need, I need to just let you know. I've never been down this road, but I think I'm burned out. Yeah. And uh, it was so scary. And they were I was incredible. I to say, what was
0: that like when you had to say that?
1: I know, to say it out loud, like for a driven person. To, and and then, you know, because you always go in with a solution, right? As a leader, you're right. like, oh, so here's what I'm going to do and I'm going to get better. I right. tried for four or five weeks all this stuff that was supposed to make me better. Yep. Nothing yep. worked. Yep. So I'm like, I don't even know how, how to get better. Like, I can't even tell you I can fix this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're, you just show up and just have to tell the truth.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I've had this conversation with, with church leaders before Annie and there are church leaders who say, I could never have that conversation with my board yeah. because I'd get fired. Like, right. and I can't afford to be fired. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and talk about kicking a leader when they're down. Um, and I, I was, I was blessed to have a board that, that could handle that. And they were very gracious. They offered me a sabbatical. I did not take it because I didn't think I was going to come back. Oh, but, wow. you know, I think, I think the key is if, if somebody's listening and you're like, I can't even think about goals. Are you kidding me? I, I'm i barely up today. Yeah, and I know it's supposed to be New Year's. If you can't tell your board, you at least need to tell somebody.
0: Yeah. So what about the like moms or the school teachers, the people who don't necessarily have boards like that? What do they, who do they tell?
1: It's a great question. Um, a good answer is somebody. Yeah. Um, and somebody who's in a position to walk with you, probably through it, and then someone who is in a position to help you. Yeah. And you may have to go to your principal if you're a teacher and say, I, I you know, I think I need stress leave or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and every situation is unique. And the reason that I didn't take a sabbatical, I know a lot of leaders who didn't, it was very helpful. I know some leaders who have taken one and it, it wasn't helpful, is um, I was just afraid I wasn't going to come back. And I was doing, I had been doing some heavy-duty counseling mm-hmm. for a while, but I needed to take some time to reconstruct. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, you know, within three months of telling my board, yeah, about three months, I began to see the passion flicker again in my heart and some hope come back. And muscle memory got me through. I'd done this for a long time. I'm driven enough. I'm determined enough that I could, you know, I wasn't phoning it in, but I could I could function, right? but you really, you really want to be an integrated person, right? This is the hard part right. is you want your heart, your soul, and your body to line up, and right. they weren't, and that was the hardest part of burnout.
0: Right, but it sounds like what you did and what I've had to do before as well is just kind of go like, okay, well, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. I'm not quitting on this, but I do have to say out loud to people that this feels like too much.
1: Absolutely. Do you think women are better at that than men?
0: I think women have less choice to quit than men do. I think in general, there is more of a woman doesn't get, you know, a mom doesn't get to walk away quite, not walk away, but take time off quite as easily. Am I wrong on that? I've never been a mom.
1: Hey kids, I'm out for three days. Take care of yourself. You're the Cheerios. Yeah,
0: Yeah. 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 I just like, I think about my friends. We just had this long conversation about two of the husbands got sick and how different it is when a husband gets sick than when a wife gets sick.
1: Yeah, what are some differences you see? I become this big baby. My wife loves right. it. No, she doesn't.
0: Yes, that's kind of that's what my friends who have husbands who live in their houses say is, when I'm sick, we still had people over because his coworkers still were coming over for dinner, and I just had to do it. When he's sick, he didn't leave his room for two days, and or, our room for two days, and I had to take care of the kids. Mm, and so I that's think convicting, right? And so I think there's a little bit less permission. Yeah, I think that's the way I want to phrase it. It feels like there's less permission for women to burn out than there is for men.
1: That's fair. Because
0: when's the last time you heard women taking a sabbatical?
1: Wow. This right? is good stuff, Annie.
0: I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are. I'm, I am just don't know. Off the top of my head, I can list a lot of male pastors who've taken sabbaticals. I can't list a lot of females that have.
1: No, you know what? I that That's a new category for me. And I, I think that's a very fair assessment. And I wonder, I'm not saying women don't burn out, I mean, in the book, I also talk about cynicism and probably the biggest surprise for me. uh, And that was when I preached it at my own church. We had Uh all-time record attendance uh, when I opened up the Didn't See It Coming series at Yeah, And what blew me away, Annie, because I always thought that cynicism was a male issue. Mm. The number of women who came forward after that message and said, oh, gosh, I'm so cynical. And you yes. just put a label on it. Yes. And I'm like, no, 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 this is a guy disease. I didn't, <laughs> right. and I didn't think about that when I wrote the book. Right. Like, I did, But I had this silent bias, like this filter inside my head. That said, just you know, unchallenged. No, nah, is a male thing. Yeah. And you know, it's it's really interesting. To think about gender differences when it comes to burnout as well. Uh, do you like you 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 have a huge network, I think you know, all of Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you see as many women burning out as men in your relational circle? I'm curious.
0: I think it just looks so different, you know. Yeah. So to me, it's a. A lot of times, it feels like men are like a fireworks show when they burn out, and and it is very loud and public, and women do this slow, sad, quiet burn. So no one's had, that's one of the reasons I wanted to hear. No one's having quite as much of this conversation with women of like, there is a burnout for you. There is relief for you. But I don't know that women have given as much permission to say, I am burning out right now. This is, I, I mean, I think they are allowed to say that it- sometimes, but I just think it's a little bit less um, direct permission as every pastor is allowed to get here. Every pastor is allowed to say he needs a sabbatical I don't know that that moms get to say that, or that school teachers get to say that, or nurses get to say that, or you know uh, some of these other jobs that are not all female, but but maybe more lean toward female.
1: I think that's very fair, Annie. I think that's very fair. I think it's very helpful, and I think it's very clarifying. So here's something I don't drill down on because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, right. you know, blah 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 blah. I'm just a <laughs> guy who writes books and you know thinks about this stuff, but. Um, there's something I flagged in the book and I spent, I think a few paragraphs on it, but I talk about full fledged burnout, which is definitely what I had. And, uh, yeah, it was more the fireworks kind and I didn't talk a lot about it publicly, but yeah, sure, for sure. It was a thing, but there's this other thing that I I've, I've labeled low grade burnout and I list 11 symptoms of burnout and maybe if you've got low grade burnout, you're not eleven for eleven. Because if you're eleven for eleven, you are not looking after those kids. You are not going to the school or the hospital. Right, like right, you're, right. you're like, okay, I'm either in bed or at the hospital or at my doctor or at a psychologist or a counselor. Like yeah. I'm, it's over. Yeah. Like, and that's pretty much what happened to me. I'm like, yeah. I had to blow a whistle because your body just quits on you or your mind right, right, just quits on you. Right. You know. So so that's eleven for eleven. But I think if you're like showing. Five six, seven of the symptoms. Mm-hmm. you may have low grade burnout. And how I how I define it is that the functions of life continue, but the joy of life stops.
0: Oh, that's brilliant.
1: So yeah. you're still, you're still like, yeah, yeah, I made dinner. Yeah, the kids are asleep. Yeah, I went to work today. Yeah, I graded the papers. I'm not having any fun. In fact, I haven't had fun in years. And I'm not excited about my marriage. I'm not. Honestly, I'm not going to admit it out loud. I don't really like my children right now. I don't like me right now. God Uh and I don't feel that close right now. Uh I'm not passionate about anything. My heart's not really alive. It's kind of dead. But yeah, tomorrow will come and I'll be there. I think that's low-grade burnout.
0: Wow. Yeah. I think, and I i am a huge fan of men. <laughs> I want hmm. one. In fact, I would like <laughs> one. And I love our differences. And I just wonder if they're, I wonder if, if low grade burnout happens more frequently to women and high grade burnout happens more frequently to men. I'm interested in that. I don't know if that's, I have no, I'm with you. We're not doctors. We have no science.
1: Okay. Again, Totally amateur psychologist. Yeah, <laughs> but I
0: wonder if, if hours in counseling made you an expert. I would, in fact, be an expert.
1: <laughs> I wonder if women are in, inherently better at self care, mm. and and so they don't let themselves get to eleven as a rule. Yeah, whereas men maybe. are like, "What? That doesn't apply to yeah. me." Oh my gosh, I'm in the hospital. Yeah, you know, like right. how did that happen? I gotta tell you. I mean, you're a public speaker. Too, right. That's the first yeah. time we met. We spoke at this event a yeah. uh, number of months ago. But anyway, the look in the audience eyes when I teach on this. So when I teach about burnout, yeah. you know, there's a meaningful percentage of the room. It's kind of like, and I hear this anecdotally after via email or, but, you know, just reading the room when you're giving the talks that I give where about a third would say yeah full on burnout either part of my past part of my present or i can see it coming yeah or you know hey that's my wife that's my husband right sure. so there's that but when i talk about low grade burnout or some of the symptoms all of a sudden there's this look of alarm that goes around the vast majority of people in the room going uh oh yeah so i think that's pretty widespread like like okay look at it the other way to find people who are really fully alive and their hearts work the way they're supposed to, that's a rare bird these days. Yes.
0: Yeah. We're working. We're all working toward it, but it is not as frequent as you want it to be for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you love, one of my favorite things is on a stage when I can see everyone's faces, but obviously they can't see each other. And I'll go, what you don't know is everyone around you is crying too. So (laughs) it's not just you. I can see all the
1: faces. (laughs) See, that's good. I, I I I need to remember that.
0: Yeah. yeah, you should just say, I, next time you're talking about low-grade burnout, just be like, hey, guess what? Everyone sitting around you has the same face as you because I can see all of you.
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. That's good.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so Didn't See It Coming is the title of the book. And I just found those 11 things in there. I'm like, man, this is so interesting because starting a new year, I just want my friends who are listening to feel like they have a jump on not burning out anymore or again or like they are about to. And what you do beautifully in this book is you list like seven areas that you see as like could be really um, huge challenges that step toward that. Which one do you feel like cynicism, compromise, disconnection, irrelevance, pride, burnout, and emptiness? Is there one that when you look at culture right now, especially North American culture, and you go like, this is the one that we're all going to connect with because this is prevalent? Or is it true for all of them?
1: I think they all have... Resonance in the culture and certainly in leaders' lives, but the real surprise to me—the book's been out three or four months now—is how deeply the whole subject of cynicism seems to have connected. Yeah, and I think it really caught people off guard, right? Hence the title. Didn't see it coming. Like nobody sets out when they're eighteen or twenty years old to say, "Hey, by the time I'm thirty-five, I want to be cynical, jaded, you know, angry at the world." But it happens. Yeah. And I think that has been the biggest surprise for me, and the one that probably has shown up the most often in the feedback I've gotten from readers is like, oh my gosh, I am so cynical. And how yeah. did I get here?
0: Yeah. And you know what I think is interesting? As you said earlier, that it, you were surprised how many women connected with that. Before I read your book, I don't know that I knew how to rightly use the word cynicism when it came to what I was experiencing. It was more that I thought, I am not happy with how this makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I read through, through your cynicism chapter and it's like, okay, here's one of the points. It says, you just know too much. You think you know too much. And I'm like, oh, that, when I think about the three areas of my life that I feel cynicism in, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I know too much. Like what can I do? I just know too much.
1: So what what would be an example of that for you? How did that manifest in, in
0: Um, your life? yeah, for me, there are times because I spend so much time in church. I'm about to be real honest in 2019 with you, Carrie. Um, there are times when I'm in a church and I go, Yeah, I know too much here. Like, not even necessarily my local church, because our local church has been through such a um you know very well because you know our team, but oh yeah, has been through a resurrection. And a, in a renewal that has been really beautiful. But sometimes when I, when I'm out on the road, I will see things happen in churches or see signs in churches and I'll roll my eyes. And then immediately I go, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, this, they are doing gospel work. This isn't, you don't get to have an opinion about this sign or this song or this outfit or, but it's, but it is that feeling of like, I just, I've seen this too much. I know what's going to happen here. And, and I'm almost always wrong.
1: I have I have the same instincts you know when you're young, you're 20, 25 years old, you walk in and you're like, oh, this is amazing and the sky's the limit yeah and then eventually you know you go around the block a few times you're you're into round five of whatever you're doing and i'm I'm now at the point like you are where I can walk into a room and I can read it pretty accurately, pretty quickly right. right. And that's not always positive. Like right. you think, oh my gosh! Well, I see your growth barriers right now. Or <laughs> right. this is all about the pastor. Like yeah. I can see this. Is just this this room has pastor's ego written all mm-hmm. over it. Or mm-hmm. um, man, the staff are terrified of leader X. Or um, I can tell you why you have a high churn rate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And some of that is helpful, but cynicism always leads. You to the eye roll, to the shoulder shrug, toward yes. indifference, toward "I told you so," toward "Oh my gosh, here we go again," mm. you know, oh, mm-hmm. no, 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 and that is so unhealthy. And I had found myself there prior to burnout. I think cynicism was part of my slide into burnout, as I just got more and more cynical. Uh-huh. And you're right, that is singularly unhelpful. Like, right. and what dies with cynicism? And this is this is the part that that's that you, we all long for, we all miss. Is we lose hope. Yeah. You know, you look yeah. at the political process, regardless of your conviction, where you land on the spectrum, and it's so easy to be cynical. Or, you know, corporate America, you know, this is job number X for you. And you're like, ah, they're all the same. Mm. Or, you know, dating. It's mm-hmm. like all men or all women. Yep. Or, you yep. know? And you just know too much. And the reason you were so happy when you were younger was because you were stupid.
0: Right, right. right. I mean, as part of growing up in ministry and in life and getting older in ministry and in life, you have to choose to be wise and not cynical. Mm -hmm. To use what you see to help lead, but not let it take you in a negative direction, I would guess.
1: That's right. That knowledge can be used. Like what you know about human nature and what you know about the way people behave can be used in a way that's very helpful to them and to you mm. or it can be used as an excuse to disengage or to grow really bitter about the future mm. or just to withdraw. Yeah. And cynicism is the death of hope, right? Yeah. That's where you just you stop hoping for the future of Your church, the church, any church, your family, your relationship, your prospects, your career, and you just grow so cynical. And, like, you know, that's not – I don't think that was God's vision for your life or my life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting about maybe – gosh, eight years ago now in Nashville, about 10 of us, all single girls got together and we made this decision to, that we were going to pray for each other to get married. And we weren't going to say anything negative about the men in Nashville for a hundred days. And do you know that almost all of us got in relationships before that 100 day was over and a ton of them met their husbands? No way. Yeah. And I don't think it was like magic or witchcraft. I think it was genuinely, we changed. I mean, the scripture says your words have the power of life and death. And when we removed our cynicism as a community around the men of Nashville, it changed our experiences of them. And so whether it changed them, I don't know, but I know it changed us. And man, it was such a powerful, like, man, what I say about people and what I believe about people affects my experience of them.
1: That's a really good example. And I think it's so easy. Like, I think cynicism, unless you have a super, and I'm, listen, I'm an optimist, okay? I'm wired as an optimist. I've reclaimed my optimism on the other side of burnout. So I think you can do that. Once a cynic, not always a cynic. Yes. But the challenge is those insights don't go away. I can right. still walk in a room and go, "Uh-oh, this is all about the pastor's ego," or yeah. you know, whatever yeah. that happens to be. Right. But am I going to use that to help, or I'm going to use that just to go, "Huh," and walk away? And so I want to, I want to offer hope. And hope seems idealistic. Mm-hmm. It seems, to the real cynic, hope seems stupid. It seems mm-hmm. foolish. It seems like really, you really believe that, Annie?
0: Right. <laughs> right. So you. Right.
1: Right. But I think that's the best way to live, because when hope dies, what's left?
0: Yeah, that's right. If you haven't done the work to hang on to hope, yeah, what do you have left? And you know what? When people do that that you just did of like, okay, Annie, good luck with you, I'm always like, man, that's about you. That's not about me. I'm not in the wrong seat. You're in the wrong seat. (laughs) No, and that's one
1: thing I must say. The way you talk about the church um, is very encouraging to hear as a pastor and as a church leader because I hear that that desire to see the church win yeah. which which is getting rarer and rarer these days yeah. in leadership
0: yeah you know we have a you know our team here at crosspoint really well but there's four of us on the teaching team and we have I mean Kevin pastor Kevin says to us life and doctrine life and doctrine you're held to a different standard as a leader and so I had to te- I'm add to like put my tail between my legs and send a text to all three of them when I had kind of made a mistake last week. And I was like, I, I have to tell y'all this because I am so sure of what God is doing in our church that I may have just gotten in the way. And and I just cannot ask for forgiveness enough. I've asked the Lord, now I'm asking y'all and confessing to y'all that, that I misstepped in a way that may affect our church. And the only reason I care so much is not because I care about them. I do care about them forgiving me, but I really believe that the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus through the local church is the hope of the world. Yes. And so, yeah, to lose heart about the local church. Now, you know this too, because the reason I feel any of that hope is because I watched our church almost fall apart and then Jesus rescued it. And so then I go, oh, yeah, no one can kill the bride. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, God's going to do whatever it takes to keep the local church alive. I better pick my team real quick because I just saw who wins.
1: You know what? That's so well said. And, you know, here's a challenge for 2019. Um, as you know, the negative voices uh, kind of feel like they're outweighing the positive voices. But I know you try to create the space on your podcast and your writing, you know, and everything mm-hmm. that you do in, in the tribe that you cultivate. I try to do that in in the tribe that um, will visit where I am. But I, I want to leave a place for the good people on the Internet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. like i want to try to shape a, a space where you know people are like i don't want to be called naive because i believe yes. and I, that doesn't mean unthinking that doesn't mean uncritical that right. doesn't mean see there's there's hope on the front side of cynicism which often you know it's good but it may not be anchored in the depth of reality but then when you see everything that life throws at you like think mm-hmm. about like you know not to go all hyper pastor spiritual on you <laughs> But like, you know, what what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross is, is we nailed hope to the cross. We nailed yeah. love to the cross. Like yeah. God showed up in human form. We didn't like it. We threw the worst that was inside of, of us at Jesus mm. and hope won. Right. Love won. Right. And he used the very thing that we tried to destroy him with to win us back. In light of that, like in light of that, how can you stay cynical? How, how? And you're like, well, you don't understand how tough my life is. You don't understand how bad 2018 was. You know? Yeah. Well, let's go to the cross. Let's have a look. Right. Now, now, how does how does your little sad life carry compared to that? Well, Mm -hmm. okay, good point. Right. (laughs) So, you you have a basis to keep hoping. You have a basis to keep believing. You have a basis to keep trusting. Yeah. And so why don't we make this a year where we hope again, we trust again, mm-hmm. we believe again, and we find a tribe of people. You know, Tony Morgan, right? Yeah. He's, uh, Tony, Tony's a great guy. I did an interview. I think it was for his podcast where he talked about the old man's club that meets at a local coffee shop. Uh-huh. And uh, Tony was really fascinated by the whole cynicism thing. And he just said, you know, he's, I think in his 40s, But he said he sees this man, this group of men who meet, and they're in their 60s or 70s, and they just complain every Tuesday when they meet about how bad the world is and how much better it would be if they were running it. And he said, I can feel myself drifting there if I don't catch myself. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where we end up, right? And and that's what this year could be about. So my challenge would be like, okay, well, who's the tribe that you're going to hang around that will help you hope again? trust again, and believe again. And understand that the world may nail you to a cross. Right. The world may, you may give them love and they may spit hate at you. Um, but you're going to hope again, you're going to trust again, you're going to believe again. And on the other side of burnout, on the other side of cynicism, I just decided that's where I want to live and I don't get it right every day. But that is that is the camp I want to be in. Yeah,
0: that is some good wisdom for walking into this year. And my encouragement to people, and I'm I'm going to tell them this, in January, when this comes out too, is I feel like to read didn't see it coming to start the year versus in September when you feel the burnout. like, go ahead of it. Don't catch up to it. Go ahead of it and 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 just be prepared a little bit.
1: Well, that's the idea, right? And because what got me writing this book, because I look back at my own life, two decades in leadership. And then uh, I also looked at at the lives of of so many friends. And Annie, you know this. I mean, there are people we started with that, Aren't doing anymore what they felt called to do, and yeah. actually what they probably are still called to do, but they just got too cynical, or they got right. morally compromised, or they became irrelevant, or pride got the best of them, or they burned out and they didn't come back. Yeah. Like all those things. And and you talk to them and they're like, Yeah, I just didn't see that coming. Yeah. And I think life is like that. And so uh, you know, even when it comes to moral compromise, we think, okay, don't sleep with someone you're not married to, don't right. take money that doesn't belong to you and don't join the mafia. Right. right so right. okay. Got got all those boxes ticked. And I know not everybody does, but let's say you did, and you're like, Well, I'm not gonna compromise oh. morally. Oh, wait a minute. It's way more subtle than that. It's not like somebody who was um, you know, in a good place all of a sudden just woke up one day and, you know, stole broke into a jewelry store right. and stole it.
0: <laughs> right. The little yeses.
1: Yeah, it's a little tiny things that you do, and so the whole idea behind the book is: no, you can see it coming. Mm-hmm. This is what mm-hmm. this is what cynicism looks like. This is what it smells like. Here's what you can do to combat it. Yeah, this is how compromise starts. This is these are the signs you can look for, and here's what you can do to uh, to fight against it and to make sure that your that isn't your defining story.
0: Right man, that's brilliant. That's exactly it. I, you know, When I see people making decisions that are those big yeses that they shouldn't have said, I go, okay, they didn't decide that today. What are the little yeses I'm saying right now that are the same little yeses they said that got them there? Because I, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and have an affair with a married man, and she didn't either. But she had little yeses that she said that made that big yes not so big to her, and I need to make sure I'm not saying those little yeses today.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it can be as simple as the third glass of wine. Right. You know. Right. Or or the the, the porn habit that has become a little bit way too consuming. Yeah. Not that any yeah. measure is good. Or the the gap that opens up between your private walk mm-hmm. and your public talk. Mm-hmm. The cognitive dissonance that happens when you you really feel like I can't be honest about what's really going on right. with anybody. And what I'm saying isn't 100% true, that's, that's tough to live. Right.
0: I mean, if you're not telling 100% of the truth, then, then you're making a little yes. It's going to take you somewhere. I agree. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we're all going to read Didn't See It Coming, kick off 2019. Well, hey, this month, I, I want to ask you two more quick questions, and then I'll sure. let you go. But this month, we're after your episode today, we're spending the rest of the month just about talking about the next generation. Is Do we need to be warning them about this? Tell me how we should be teaching the next generation, because I feel like burnout comes faster for each generation than the one before it.
1: Oh, it's so funny, Annie. This, when I first came up with the idea for this book a few years ago, I said, this is basically a book for leaders over 40 Mm. and, uh, you know, just different stage of life, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I spoke once or twice about some of the ideas in it and I had a long line of 20-somethings going, I am so cynical or I'm burned out. And I'm like, what? And then when it got to the publisher and my agent and the whole deal, they're like, no, this is like millennials have loved this book. Young leaders have, have eaten it up. And it's been amazing and surprising and humbling to see, but you're right. And you see, okay, you know why I think that is? And you, you already hinted at it. The, the part about the cynicism angle that I took in the book was on knowledge that I know too much. Yeah. Well, my goodness, look at what we all carry around in our pockets. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much we know? Right. Because of what's on our phones? <laughs> right. How much we know about other people, how much right. we know about life. Like too much, we know too much, and so I think cynicism starts in the teen years often. Yeah. Um, moral compromise, my goodness, when the first exposure to porn is nine, nine. I years mean, old. that is that is way too young. Yeah, disconnection. You know, the more the more connected we are technologically, the more disconnected we feel. There's mm-hmm. a growing body of research that shows that's that's the case. So yeah, I think it's totally. Younger audiences, like you know, leaders in their 20s or 30s, whether that's mm-hmm. prevention, or whether that's like, no, I'm in the middle of it right now. They've they've really resonated with it.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, great. You you still believe the next generation is is in good shape? You feel like we're going to be okay?
1: Absolutely. First of all, <laughs> young leaders are some of my favorite leaders. Yeah. Um, hope hasn't been beaten out of right. most young leaders. Right. Not yet. Not yet. And I don't think it has to. So I love being around young leaders. It's like you, it's the bulk of my audience, actually, yeah. even though I'm over 50. And uh, yeah, I really believe in the future of the church. I think it's like what you said about what happened at your church. You know, it almost looked like it was falling apart, but it, it was the bride of Christ. Right. And so, of course, you know, if you're willing, God's willing. Yeah. And so I really believe that's the case, that he is sovereign. Uh, He is the God of tomorrow, and I believe he's raising up the generation of leaders that we need for that. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. Man, thank you, Carrie. I'm so grateful for your wisdom in my life and in your books. I'm just really thankful. So our last question that we always ask, because the podcast is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun.
1: (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is not cycling, but, uh, (laughs) barbecue.
0: I know you sent me a glove and you sent me some Rudy's rub. That is so good. That stuff is so good.
1: It is really, really good out of Austin, Texas. And like yesterday I did double smoked ham. I'm going to be doing some brisket. And you know what, when my life is good and I've, I've, I'm in a good place, uh, i am you know, it's a 30 hour smoke. That is a lot of yeah. time in your life just to get the perfect brisket. That's, so
0: But it's so beautiful, isn't it?
1: When I have that kind of time, it's a good sign I'm probably not burning out.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, that Rudy's rub. I'm I eat meat, but I'm mostly I'm not eating a ton of meat in my life right now. And I put it on sweet potatoes and it was really good.
1: Oh, you can put it on. Put it on your breakfast cereal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It'll be good everywhere. It
1: is. This it episode
0: is. brought to you me. by Rudy's Rub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carrie, thank you again for being on the show. Tell me how everybody can find you.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. So, my name is really easy to spell. <laughs> no. Um, but you can you can go to carrynewhoff.com and any approximation of it will get you there yeah. or didn't see it coming book.com. Perfect. We'll get you everywhere. And uh, yeah, didn't see it coming book.com is an easy one or carry new
0: Perfect. We will link to all those in the show notes and on my blog when the show notes come out there too. So, all right. Thank you, sir. Is there anything we forgot to talk about that you wish we'd talk about?
1: No, I think it it was just fun being on the podcast because that does sound fun and you're crushing it, Annie. I so appreciate everything you do and uh, can't wait to have this conversation on my podcast.
0: I know. They're going to get two for this week. They don't even know. Yeah, it's awesome. Man, what an interesting conversation. I'm so grateful for Carrie and all that he had to say. Make sure you grab a copy of Didn't See It Coming I think it'll be a really great way to start the year for us, a great reading thing. Hey, if you are reading along, by the way, with 100 Days to Brave 2019, you should be on day three, and we are gonna finish on April 10th. So we started January 1st. We're gonna finish on April 10th. Do not panic if you have not started with us. If you go on my Insta story, you'll see the first three days are already there. We're gonna give you all the way through Sunday the 6th on my Insta story, so you can just keep up. So go ahead and order your book from your favorite retailer, your favorite local bookstore, and we will kick off doing the first part of this year together. And thinking about that, 100 Days to Brave 2019, and thinking about Carrie's book, Didn't See It Coming, just feels like maybe for the first 100 days of this year, we can just be really intentional to be healthy, to take care of ourselves, to tell people what we are experiencing, to say when we feel like we're burning out, that we're getting to a place where there is more on our plate than we know how to handle. Maybe that is your first step today or the way you choose to be brave today is just saying to someone, this feels like a lot and they will believe you. I believe you. It feels like a lot. So make sure you grab his book, grab 100 Days to Brave and let's start this year off right. As you heard me say in the episode, we're going to do a couple of themes this year. Last year, we did some rhythms for 2018 in January, some ways we wanted to start off the year. So if you want to practice some rhythms for your year, resting and journaling and creating space. There's some really great rhythms back in the beginning of 2018. Go listen to those episodes. But this year in January, we are going to talk about the next generation. And not just if you're doing ministry to them or if you're influencing them, but what is it like to live on a planet with millennials? Grant Skelton was on last fall. You can go back and listen to his episode in his book, The Passion Generation, all about millennials and how they are existing in our world. But this month we're going to do the same and just kind of dig into the next generation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So if you have a friend who's a student pastor or a college pastor, or if you're friends with people who are younger than you, or if you are in that age group, I would love for you to share these podcasts coming up this month. And Hey, speaking of, if you know some pastors and some friends who, who need some of this wisdom that Carrie offered this week, the best thing you can do for the show is share it. So I would love for you to tell your friends. If there's anything I can do for you, as you know, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs. Let's say F is for Fresh Start this year. We're starting fresh in 2019. Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and a brand new website that we're very, very proud of, AnnieFDowns.com. If there's anything I can do for you, you know that's how to find me. So we are going to go out and do something that sounds fun to us. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And we will see you on Monday with one of my favorite Next Generation leaders and author, Amy Bird. See you guys. Have a great weekend.